0: Welcome back to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I am so excited for today's episode because we have Heather from the amazing blog for the love of kale and Heather is a life coach an artist and most of all a friend to me and I love and adore her and have so much respect for her. And she lives in her own version of the Wellness Wonderland, and with her amazing work that she's bringing into the world, helping so many people to live in Wonderland like we do. So I'm so lucky we've been we've become such great friends, Heather, and um, this is the first of many collaborations between us, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, sister.
0: Yeah, so anyways, thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am so stoked, Uh, because we only recently just became really, really close, and there was really this instant connection between the two of us, and um, I think this is going to be great, so thank you.
0: For sure, for sure. We have, like, synergy between us. Absolutely. Um, Okay, cool. Well, let's let's jump right in. Um, I have so many things I want to ask you, and I know that my readers slash listeners have so many things that they'll want to ask you, too, but... Let's start here since um, I want to talk morning and evening routines because I know um, we both, I know for both of us, um, tuning in in the morning and the evening are really consistent ways to get started with a spiritual practice. And um, I know that we both do this. So I'm sure ours are similar, but definitely really w- unique. So I want to chat a little bit about that. And so let's start with the morning routine. So when we were setting up this interview, you shared with me that you're a really early riser. So um, talk to me a little bit about that. Why is that? Have you always been that way? Um, And what is it about the morning that you like so much?
1: um so yeah i'm a really really early morning riser like 5:30 a.m i am up and ready to go which probably sounds a bit nuts to some people but i just i adore the morning time i kind of view it as um this really beautiful blank canvas that we have to paint on you know we wake up it's in the morning and it's it's all fresh and new so for me it's like you know Most people wake up before they go to work and they take a physical shower and I like to take a mental shower when I get up in the morning. So, um, yeah, so I move and I meditate. So, um, first I'll, I'll move. So whether that's, um, yoga or Pilates or going for, you know, a brisk jog or a walk, I really just like to get into my body, um, in that way and no less than, you know, an hour or so. And then I sit down and, and I meditate um, anywhere from five to 20 minutes, whatever I, I think I need. And I just think it's so important to, to tune into yourself and really, really connect with the reason why, why you're here today, what, what you're going to do today and um, allow, you know, we'd love to talk about the universal energy and, and allow the universe to guide you and speak through you for the rest of the day.
0: Isn't it crazy how starting the day that way can really make a world of difference in how, how the day goes? I mean, every, everybody says that, you know, starting the day off right, is. it seems like it just makes sense, but it really does. It can really set things in the right direction, and I love that. Mine is very similar to that. And I think just getting up and first thing in the morning, tuning in with who you are is so powerful, whether that's, you know, moving or just sitting or, you know, nourishing yourself with a great breakfast or doing some reading or whatever it is. But taking that time before, you know, you add coffee or you add news or you add work and just being with who you are for a minute is, is huge, I think, and I love that. Yeah, that's,
1: that's such a great point. Cause you even said, you know, you mentioned breakfast and immediately I thought about, you know, the meaning of breakfast is breaking the fast and you're sort of fasting from your thoughts for the, for, you know, eight hours or whatever. And and when you get up in the morning, you have to, you have to break that fast and and, and, and decide how you want to start your day, how you start your day. I think, you know, is, is how you, you live your day.
0: Absolutely. For sure. So Okay, so you're getting up so early and doing all this great stuff in the morning. So, um, when do you when do you go to bed? And and how do you sleep? How do you make um, going to sleep a spiritual practice? Like, tell us a little bit about what you do to unwind at the end of a long day, and and how you kind of tune in at the end of the day.
1: All right, so um, I require anywhere from six to eight hours of sleep. It depends, you know. Um, I go to bed anywhere between 10 PM and and 12 AM. It just depends on, um, on how I'm feeling. You know, I'm just really in tune with my body in that way. And, um, the other thing too, that I've noticed as I've really started to engage in a lot of passion projects, um, I'm often so energized by them that I don't want to go to sleep. Like I literally have to force myself to go to bed, um, (laughs) So what I'll do is is I'll put my, my beautiful lamp on. It has a really nice kind of dim glow to it, and I'll hop into bed and grab a book. Um, I'm studying A Course in Miracles right now, so I might read A Course in Miracles, um, and I'm also reading a book called Ask, um, and it is given by Esther and Jerry Hicks, which I completely recommend. Um, so I'll hop into bed with a nice book, and I'll usually read for like 20 minutes, um, and then I'll shut the book, And, um, I'll shut my light off and I'll, I'll just lay down and take a few deep breaths and, um, just ask for, for my guides and for the universe to guide me into a really beautiful sleep. And I always sleep really, really well. And I, and I wake up rested and ready to, you know, tackle the day.
0: Nice. Nice. I like that. So you, when you're kind of, you don't really per se meditate before bed, you're, I mean you are, but you're laying down when you, when you do that to clarify.
1: Yeah. I just kind of lay down and say a prayer. You know, I ask for, um, for the universe to just guide me to have a really restful, um, great sleep. Nice. I don't, nice. Really, I don't really meditate. I know a lot of people like to meditate before bed and that's rad. It just, I I just pray.
0: I like that. I like that. My my routine's kind of similar to that too, because I find that um, I mean, you are meditating. Really, you're just meditating, laying down, which I think before bed is like really awesome because we're so you know you want to be tired when you go to bed, and and hopefully you are. And that's the thing. Like like for me, my my routine's very similar to that. I write down. um five things that I'm grateful for. And I just write the, I have a little notebook by my bed and I write down three things that went well that day and three things I'm looking forward to tomorrow. And some nights I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to get on my pen. I don't want to do that. But I, as soon as I like do it and I, and I put that energy out there, it's like, it's so much better to go to sleep and lie down with that went well today. That went well today. Instead of, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that today. Or, I have to do this tomorrow. It's going to be the worst thing ever. Instead of thinking, like, tomorrow I get to do this amazing thing and I'm so freaking excited to wake up. Like, I love the feeling of going to sleep and making tomorrow feel like, like when you were a kid and you knew that you couldn't sleep because tomorrow was Christmas or you were so excited for your birthday. Like, I want to go to sleep like that every single night. And, I think it's really important to make your bedtime routine something you enjoy. And if it's, you know, if sitting on a meditation pillow when you all you want to do is sleep and you're making yourself, forcing yourself to sit up straight with your palms facing up, it's like that—that's not—that's opposite of what you want to do, right?
1: No, absolutely. I think you—you hit on such a good point, which is that there's always going to be that voice of resistance inside of you, um, and it's really just a matter of. of again, you're just kind of checking in and be like, okay, so what's going to make me feel good in this moment and just doing it anyway. You know, yeah. sometimes I feel the same way. Like, um, you know, I'll be like, Oh, I just want to go to bed. I don't want to read. I don't want to pray, but, but I always remember how I'm going to feel um, in the morning and how much peace it really does bring to me. And I also remember, you know, times that I, I really didn't follow through in my routine and, and how uncentered I felt in the morning and just remembering that experience alone, I'm like, okay, Heather, sit your ass down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: I love that. How do you, I guess, talk, let's talk a little bit more about that. Because for me, I have trouble, like, some days I'm great. You know, some days it's like, okay, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. But then there's other times where I, I don't know if this is, as, you know, our guru Gabby would say, our ego, my ego or my ing? I have trouble differentiating. Like, sometimes you want to just say, you know, look, this isn't what my body wants right now. This isn't what my mind wants right now. So I'm going to honor that. And what if that's just, you know, what I need in that moment is really to just go to sleep and lay down and I, and I do not need to write those things. Down. I just need to think about them. And then how do you determine, like, Pressing on and doing something that your mind is telling you that you don't really want to do, but you know it's right. And sometimes there are those times where you just, you're not doing your routine or you're not following through, but that's okay. And that's part of it, I think. How do you, what do you feel about that?
1: Okay, so that's that such a good question. That's something I really, really struggled with for so long. Um, and as I'm, I'm studying A Course in Miracles, it's really become clear to me. So A Course in Miracles, as you know, it talks about um, it, the two thought systems that exist inside of us, which is your ego, your fear-based voice, and your inner guide, which is your, your loving voice. And so the course teaches that um, there's a line in the course, and it says the ego speaks first and the ego speaks loudest. So, um, that really, really helps me. So for example, when I go, um, to do my evening routine and I have that voice of resistance, that's like, no, you don't want to do this. I know for me, that's my ego. Cause it's speaking first and it's speaking loudest and I, nice. and underneath that ego, is that really nurturing and kind yet authoritative voice which is your inner guide that's saying girl go ahead go do that it makes you feel good it makes you feel centered it will help you to show up and be be a better person and a better friend and a better girlfriend and etc and and the, and the real distinction between the two comes from our meditation practice because in meditation, you're, you're building your mental muscles. So every time you take that mental shower, you're building that mental muscles. Just like when you, you go to the gym and you work out and you build physical muscles, meditation helps you build those mental muscles. So that, that real dedication to that practice helps you be able to better tune in and, and be able to distinguish between your ego and your inner guide. And sometimes you're so stuck in your ego. That you just can't distinguish between the two, and that's when you really have to be gentle with yourself and just take a deep breath. And to your point, maybe just go to bed that night. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. That's that's kind of what I'm working through—is really differentiating between those voices. And 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 when—and this kind of brings me to the next thing I wanted to touch on—is when when there is that time where you don't do your evening routine or you eat something that maybe you didn't want to eat or eat too much of something that you did or you didn't have a productive day or there's those times where um, it's very easy for your mind, your ego mind to jump in with this negative self-talk and this, we've talked about this before, but the guilt for me is something that, you know, oh my God, I didn't do my evening routine. I want to punish myself and guilt myself and guilt myself and I'm able to now see that that's happening and be like okay that's crazy talk like come back and forgive 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 but um but I think it kind of just goes back to how our mind's been trained and that craziness of punishing yourself and you know feeling that guilt which really can kind of eat away at your mind so I guess maybe you can coach me on that for a second here like how do you forgive quickly and what I mean by that is like When something like that happens, like let's just keep on the example of the evening routine. Like let's say I didn't do my evening routine, like the next morning I wake up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so mad at myself I didn't do my evening routine. Like, do you have any advice or tips on how you forgive quickly and let go? Any like for me, I I just kind of say the mantra like, forgive and release, forgive and release and try to move on. But is there any other
1: practical tips you have for that? That's a really, really good question. Um so I think it really has to do with the energy beneath what you're saying. So words are super powerful, but also they only go so far because if you're saying, like, I forgive myself, I release myself, I forgive myself and release myself, but underneath that, you're thinking in your head, oh, my God, you're such a fuck-up, Katie. <laughs> oh, sorry, I said the F word. <laughs> no. Um, we we um, welcome
0: the F word in Wonderland. <laughs>
1: okay, good. <laughs> um, but you're saying, oh, my God, I'm such a fuck-up, Katie, underneath that, then we're really not going to get through that healing process. So um, for me, again, it's just about checking in. So if I have a moment... Um, yesterday is actually a perfect example. Um, I was just having a crappy day yesterday. Sometimes you just having a crappy day and you have to feel it, (laughs) feel it to heal it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I decided to allow myself to sit on the couch and watch the own network all day and feel like crap. And, um, and, and I didn't want to feel that way. Uh, but I just said, you know, what am I supposed to learn from this? And I think that's the thing is that sometimes we're so stuck in our head that we forget that there's really a bigger picture going on here and you're feeling this way for a reason. Um, and if you can kind of offer it up to an energy greater than yourself and say, okay, I I know I'm feeling this way for a reason. I want to learn a lesson. I know there's a lesson here. Please show me the lesson. And then have the patience for, for it to show up. Then that process of forgiveness can be a lot easier. So, um, and to remember too, that this isn't going to happen on our time. It's going to be on the universe's time or God's time, whatever you believe in that energy greater than yourself, it's going to happen on that time. So maybe you do need a few days to just kind of, you know, forgive yourself for this, but no, it's actually an awesome thing because you're clearing extra space. So when you're feeling crappy and really honoring that process of forgiveness, you're, you're clearing the crap away, so that so that the good stuff can come inside, so that the love can come inside. So I would say, number one, kind of offer offer everything up to an energy greater than yourself, and say, what lesson can I learn from this? And number two, engage in something you're passionate about. Whenever I'm stuck in my ego um, like that, I will I will go and sit down at my piano and I'll play music and I'll sing. And I just feel infinite. I feel like I can take on the world. So engage in, in that in that passion. Um, and number three, see how you can be of service to somebody else. When you're stuck in, in your own head, you're not of service to anyone. So you know ask, what can I do to be of service? You know And if you're doing it right now, you're creating these conversations here, you're doing it on your blog. you know get on your Twitter and, and shout out a tweet. Hey, does anybody need some words of encouragement today? And it always helps. So those are my three tips.
0: I love that. I love that. And I'm just gonna add a, add a couple too. Those are amazing. And I love that. And I are, like I said again, Gabby's always says, um, you know, when you are feeling crappy, she said this on Super Soul Sunday. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone and see how can I help? What can I do? And and for me, a really great tool for getting out of that funk or forgiving quickly. Um, forgiving yourself quickly is just journaling for me like like you said with taking that mental shower um, getting it on paper really helps me and sometimes if I just start writing like oh my god I feel like crap about this this is crazy this is crazy by the end of what I'm writing it'll be but this is really great in my life and I'm grateful for this so if you can watch that shift when you just kind of put pen to paper and I think that can be really a powerful tool too. And, and like I said, like what you do with sitting down at your piano, for me, sometimes that can just be as simple as taking a walk. And while I'm on a walk, it's like my favorite place to talk on the phone. So I'll pick up the phone and I'll call maybe my grandpa and see how he's doing, or just see how a friend's doing and see how I can help them, maybe give them some, some tools or coach them in any way. And, you know, even though I'm doing that To help them, it's almost for selfish reasons as well. Not really selfish, but for reasons for helping myself feel better. And I always do. So that's that was such a great, great, great point. Yeah, I love those
1: tips too. Um,
0: Yeah, for sure. And there's so many of them. And and that's really the thing I want to stress here is that like you and I are very similar, but we have completely different practices. Even though they're they're very similar we each have things that work for us in our lives and that's something that I want to drive home to everyone else that this is all individualizable. <laughs> Everything we do here – I think I just made up that word. But. I love it. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we do is take it and take what works for you and leave the rest, you know, and and I think that that's, that's really crucial here. But just to kind of go more full, full circle here – I know um, we're going to just kind of like move on here to food and body a little bit. And I know that your journey with health and wellness kind of started with the physical body and food and then more recently transitioned to wellness holistically with the mind. So kind of in the same way, um, I think a lot of people might do the opposite. They might kind of find the stillness in their mind and then say, you know what, hey, I need to figure out what I'm feeding my body and I need to clean that up a little bit. But for you, it was kind of the opposite. And and I'm, I'm similar to you in the way that I found all of this. So um, can you tell us a little bit about um, that short history and kind of how you got to where you are with food and how that connects with spirituality for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I am a recovering perfectionist. It's something that I work on every single day. And every day I get better at it. Um, but that's really where my, my eating disorder stemmed from. I suffered from anorexia or nervosa and then binge eating from ages 16 to, and now I'm 23. So 16 to 22. Um, and, uh, it's been, it's been an, a rough journey, but also one of the best journeys because I really truly believe that our greatest obstacles are actually our greatest opportunities in disguise. Um, And my eating disorder definitely has been that for me or was that for me because I am recovered. Um, But so basically when I was 16, um, I was sitting in gym class and a girl came over to me and told me that I was getting chubby and that I should start to watch what I was eating and um, at the time, I I wasn't eating well. I was not overweight by any means. I was I was a normal weight. I was a healthy girl. I was active, um, but I really did eat like crap. I mean, it was like chicken burgers for lunch, and we'll have a little some sour patch kids afterwards, you know. And you know, big bowls of of pasta or Kraft mac and cheese, you know, stuff that really um, was depleting my energy as opposed to providing me the energy that I needed. So from a nutritional standpoint, no, I wasn't healthy, but, um, so anyways, I took that advice to heart. I actually just started to omit candy every day, which is a really healthy thing to do. You know, I said, okay, I'm going to stop having candy at lunch. You know, maybe this girl has a point point. and soon it escalated to uh, me, really consistently restricting my food intake and over-exercising. Um, and I became very, very, very sick. Um, and I, I finally sought recovery a couple of years later, um, and I successfully recovered. I, I I was doing great. I was healthy. Um, and as I got into college, um, into my first year of studying nutrition, I quickly realized that nutrition was not my passion and I actually despised what I was learning and I was, you know, killing myself for 16 hours a day, going to class and studying and I hated every minute of it. Um, and so I, I relapsed and instead of restricting, I started binge eating consistently. Um, I felt so lost. Things at, at home were also really, really rocky for me. My parents were going through a tough time. Um, and I'm an only child and I felt ashamed and and alone because I didn't have a sibling that I could relate to. Um, and so I had, you know, I lost any connection inside of myself. So, and this is what really happens. I think for all of us, you know, you can relate to this too, Katie, is, you know, when we, when we don't have a connection with an energy greater than ourselves, um, we lose, we lose everything. We lose control. And so I was raised to pray to an external God, not an internal God. And this is what happens when we lose a connection is we start looking for something to complete us outside of ourselves because we feel incomplete inside. So I was looking for food to fill a void inside of me because I thought that I was going to find my happiness in the perfect major. And I thought I was going to find my happiness in having, quote unquote, the perfect family that was together and intact. And so I really, really struggled. Um, I would wake up emotionally hungover from eating, and it was awful. Um, and I remember this so clearly. It was um, just over a year ago. I had just taken a Bikram yoga class with a friend of mine, and I came home, and I went to the cabinet to grab that huge bag of popcorn that I always binged on, and I screamed, No! And I slammed the door shut and I ran down into my basement and I just sobbed. And I literally said, I need a miracle, God. I don't know how I'm gonna make up make I'm d I do not know what to do. I don't know how I'm gonna make it out alone. Um and at the time I didn't realize that, you know, I'm never alone. Um and so the next day, um, I found I found a connection with with an energy greater than myself that I hadn't really ever ever realized before. I was raised Catholic. I was raised to pray to an external God. And I found an internal God. I realized that God lives inside of me. This universal energy that's greater than us lives inside of me, and I can connect to it at any point. And when I started to recognize that, I didn't feel like I needed to fill myself up with food anymore because I felt spiritually fulfilled. And I think this is what a lot of us are starving for right now and it's something that it's a conversation that people are more open to having because people are sick of living the way that they're living um so i know that was kind of a long-winded answer but basically now i realize that because i'm spiritually fulfilled i don't need food to fill me up anymore i just don't
0: i love that there's there's just so much of that i love i think um the biggest thing is I can relate in so many ways, not just being an only child who was raised Catholic with divorced parents, but in, in a lot of really real um, real ways to what you went through. But the thing that really stuck out to me is, and I love this quote, and I will post this below in the blog post, but um, there's this great quote. and It's something like, don't ever feel lonely for the entire universe lives inside of you. And I've found that sometimes emotional eating and food and all of it really stems from a loneliness inside of us. And whether that's a physical loneliness or a really a lot of times it can be emotional because emotional eating can be done in pairs. It can be done with people. It can be done on your own in your kitchen after Bikram yoga, but it can also be done at a restaurant with your family or whatever. It can pe- Misery loves company. So I think the biggest thing is when you're not lonely in yourself, you can move on and do other things and you can really live this life that we all imagine and desire. So I think food is just – it has to be a part of this. It has to be in this conversation for spirituality because it's so part of all of our lives. Absolutely. So, um, one of the, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just – I wanted you to – I one of my favorite things that you've taught me, Heather, is um, what you say before you eat. And um, I absolutely love this mantra and I love – Not only taking the time to sit down and feed yourself, but just saying this before to really center yourself in, and I'm going to make you say it here in a second, but every meal and every time you eat, you have to think about the energy that you're putting into your body. So if you're rushing around, rushing out the door, I need to eat something. And everybody has those moments. But even taking a second, even if you're eating a snack on a napkin as you run out the door to say, hey, this is what I need right now and I'm going to center in. And like please let this food nourish me. Let it make me feel good. Let me enjoy it. And then just going back down to eat your eat your trail mix or whatever you're eating. But um, But I think to just – you know, putting things in your mouth without really realizing what you do is where what you're doing is what where a lot of people um, kind of struggle. So, will you tell us that that mantra you say before you eat?
1: Absolutely. Um, before I do, I think I might have given off the impression that one day I woke up and I was eating disorder free, and that was so not the case. <laughs> so, yeah. I did want to quickly address that because I know there's a lot of women out there who are listening and struggling. And are like, um, this is crap. Like, I can't, I can't recover overnight. And you're correct. You cannot recover overnight. It's a process. It's, it's a total process. I'm still going through it. Absolutely. And there, you know, there are things that, you know, thoughts that are going to enter in. Um, but really, it's what you said is it's really about being mindful every moment. So for me, when I was recovering, my, my favorite phrase was stop, drop, and meditate. If I felt the urge to binge, I would stop what I was doing, I would drop the food, and I would go upstairs, away from the kitchen, away from the TV, and sit in my room and pop on some guided meditations, and I would meditate. And After I would meditate, I would journal, and I would free write, and then I would take note of how I feel. Like, Was there a shift that occurred inside of my body? Did I feel my heart expand? Did I feel tingling energy inside of me? How did I feel? Was I sad before? Am I happier now? Um, and usually when I journaled, everything that I was feeling, to your point, that void that I was trying to fill would come out on the paper. And I would be like, holy crap, this is what I was feeling? I didn't even realize that. And, again, that's the beauty of building that mental muscle. So I did want to just give you guys a tip there and also tell you it's the process. So every moment of the day, you know, because an addict – You know, and someone who's addicted to alcohol or drugs, well, their journey is also quite difficult. And I want to honor that. You know, you don't have to drink alcohol. You don't have to do drugs. You have to face food. You know, at least three times a day. Yeah. So, really making sure um, you're checking in there. And then to your point, um, before I eat, I always say this mantra, and it's so helpful, guys. I promise you, if you take this with you, it will change the way you experience food. It will change the way you eat your food, everything will change for you. And I say, I can attest to that. Yeah. (laughs) I say, I bless this food. I bless my body. And I bless what this food can do for my body. And it really Mm -hmm. changes. I love it. (laughs) It helps you realize that food is just a vehicle to help you thrive and carry you through your day. So that you can give yourself to people as much as you possibly can, so you can be that vehicle of service and show up. So, again, another long-winded answer, but I really wanted to make sure that uh, you guys know you're not alone, okay? And we're here for you, and we're holding space for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I just just going off of what you said there. Um... Yes, food is completely 100% a vehicle for nourishment and to help you live your passion. But at the same time, food is part of our life and food is part of our society and enjoyment is actually a huge aspect of it. So, you know, Mm -hmm. to to, to think about that a little bit too, and, and I even kind of add on to Heather's mantra and I say, you know, let this food nourish me, let this food make me feel good and also let me enjoy it. Because it's part of life. We don't have that many sensations in life. We don't have that many things that, you know, that you can – food is really an opportunity to get really present. And and get really present with what you're doing. So take that time. And, and yes, it's nourishing you and and filling you up for all the great things you're doing. But it's also one of the great things in life. So it can be something that you you should enjoy. And definitely take that opportunity too. Um, So before we move on from food, really quick, I have a couple like quick fire food questions for you, Heather. You ready for them? I'm ready. Okay. So let's go. Let's start with um, I'm going to do this for breakfast, lunch and dinner. So what is your easy go to favorite one of each of those?
1: Okay. So breakfast, I love, um, my vanilla chai protein pancakes. They're on my blog. If you go to for the love of we'll post a here, link below. Yeah. We'll post the link below. Um, thank you. And I love those. Um, they, they make me feel satisfied and energized and I usually work out in the morning. So it's a really great way to replenish, um, replenish my protein and get myself sort of started on the right track. And i love to have have those with a cup of yerba mate tea. So that's my go-to breakfast. Um, Lunch, I love to make a big salad. Um, Right now, I'm loving raw kale, um, shredded carrots, and beets. And um, lately, I've been actually dicing up some raw Brussels sprouts and putting those in there for some extra crunch. Um, And I'll add, you know, some avocado, hummus, sauerkraut, nutritional yeast, and just stir it all together. That's like my favorite salad right now. Um, And usually I'll I'll have that with uh, a baked sweet potato or a Japanese yam, which is like everything to me right now. I cannot stop eating them. They're amazing. Um, And dinner, um, it kind of depends, but I guess an easy go-to for me is Um, some tempeh and roasted Brussels sprouts. I just think it's one of the best simple dinners that you can possibly have. And I'll have some organic ketchup on the side because I love ketchup. Um, and so nourishing. And yeah, so those are my go-tos. Sorry, there's a garbage truck outside my window. You can probably hear
0: that. No, no, I didn't even notice. Um
1: oh, okay. I'm just I'm just hungry.
0: I'm just like thinking about all those <laughs> great things. So I didn't notice the garbage truck. Um okay. So now moving on just a little bit, I want to talk about some practical blogging advice since we're both bloggers and you um when you kind of went through your journey, you decided that you wanted to share. And How did you decide on starting a blog, and why did you think it was important to share in this particular platform?
1: So um, as I mentioned, I was studying nutrition, and um, about a year into it, I realized that I really had lost my connection with writing. I love to write. I've always loved to write, and I'd been reading food blogs for – for about a year, and I loved them. I, I loved taking time to read them in the morning, and um, so I eventually was just kind of like, why not? Why not start my own? Because yeah. I was really, you know, not feeling my uh, my major, and I, I didn't really have, besides, you know, working out or occasionally playing, you know, piano and singing in my room, I didn't have, like, an outlet. So um, I decided to start blogging um, and tell my story about my eating disorder um, because I figured a, a lot of people that could relate to that. So um, I started blogging about um, fitness and nutrition. Um, and I was, you know, I was vegan at the time. Um, so I really decided that I wanted to talk about that and uh, kind of just, you know, spewing whatever was on my mind <laughs> in the food and fitness realm. Um, and I think that, you know, at first it was difficult because when you first start blogging, you're not really sure, you know, what your voice is and um, you're not really sure 100% what your writing style is, but you just have to jump in and do it. Um, and that's kind of what I did. So as, um, as the blog sort of evolved, I did too, and um, I, I really, when I had, you know, when I, when I found my connection to spirituality, it changed everything, and I really found a passion inside of me, and my, in, my inner teacher was saying, girl, this is what you're here to do, this is what you're here to carry, start talking about it. So I did, and the response has been amazing. And that's because I'm speaking my truth and I'm just speaking from a really honest space. And it's really allowed me to have beautiful connections like with you and with um, Casey Arena of powercakes.net and um, within this influential community that I'm a part of. So um, I really just have have been a hundred percent authentic the entire way through um, and really unapologetic about that because um, I think that's really the key. If you're just giving your truth and you're speaking from a really authentic space, you're going to attract the right people to your to your blog and the right people to your life because you're going to be being of service to them.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And and you are. That was my next point. You're really authentic and really honest and transparent with your readers. And, and again, I think that's why you're so successful. But Going, going back to that a little bit. How do you decide um, what to share with your audience and what to keep private? Now that you've become a public figure, what, how do you keep that balance in your life?
1: It's a really good question. Um, a lot of answers I, I get from meditation and and journaling after my meditation, like you and I have both talked about. I think that's really, really helpful. Um, But really, before I I click the send button on any of my posts, I always say, please let this post be of service to whoever needs it. And that's, you know, something that I really check in with myself on all the time. Um, So when you want to blog about something, ask yourself, you know, am I blogging about this because I want to get a lot of comments? Am I blogging about this because I'm hoping to gain more popularity? Or am I blogging about this because I want to help people? So um, thinking, you know, when you're thinking of post topics too, you know, think, what am I great at? What have I learned this week that really made an impact in my life? Because chances are there are people out there starving for it, and that's a void that you you have to fill. So um, that's sort of where I come from. And if I know that I'm I'm helping people. Then I, I, personally don't care how transparent I am. I mean, there are certain things, like with my parents' divorce, um, I have told people that my parents did get divorced this year. Um, but there are a lot of details that I, I will keep private because I want to respect the privacy of my family um, and the pain and suffering that we've gone through. Um, and of course, there are details of my relationship with my, my beautiful boyfriend that I will keep sacred because. Um, there are things between us that I don't want to share. But otherwise, I mean, basically who I am and what I'm learning, I, I want to be 100 percent transparent about that, because I think that a lot of people are fearful of sharing things that they experience um, and feelings they experience because it think they think it makes them weak. But in fact, when we share our fears and we share our experiences, it brings us closer together and it helps us again, clear that fear and clear those negative emotions out so we can call in all the good stuff. So does that make sense? Completely, completely. And I, I can relate to that a lot. And and
0: my readers probably will will realize this or they've probably noticed this already. But when I started my blog, I was super untransparent or unauthentic. I I was I was writing things I really believed in, but I wasn't really letting people into my to what was going on with me in the moment. And lately and more recently, in the past year, in the past um, six months, really, I got really real with my readers. and I, I told them about what I was going through. and I would just spew on the page in the morning and then I would publish it that day. And I and as bloggers, you know, everyone who's listening who is another blogger we know the posts that are good. We know the ones that are going to connect with people. And, and that's the great thing about, um you know, I studied journalism in school, and they would always tell us that that's the great thing about newspapers. You know, you can have a, a bad one today because you get to do it all again tomorrow. And that's what's so great about this platform is that we can have those posts that maybe aren't the most authentic thing in the world, but maybe they do help somebody. And then we can have those really deep posts that, are super authentic and are us just speaking our authentic truth. And yeah, maybe not everybody's going to connect with them, but you know what those five or six or 500 or 600 people who do, and it helps them. It it's worth it. It's worth it for us. And I think, um, I've been able to see those posts when I'm authentic, you know, I'm a little bit nervous and I'm a little bit fearful to put out there, but I do. And I feel so much better. And I'm, because I know I'm helping people. And I think that, I think that that's huge for bloggers. And, um, and my next question for you was just going to be like some really practical advice for other bloggers in building an audience and building a following. And, And I know that you'll probably say being authentic. And I think that that's hundred percent true, but the going off of that point a little bit, like when you are being authentic and you are speaking that authentic truth and you just want to share it more, do you have any practical advice for building up that following and getting more people to see and more people to benefit from what you're putting out there?
1: Yes. Join forces and reach out to people. So before I started my blog, I reached out to bloggers that I admired and bloggers that I looked up to because I felt that they were so authentic in the way that they wrote their posts. I always felt like they were speaking directly to me. I felt like they were my friends and I felt really comfortable reaching out to them. I mean, I was also a little nervous because, you know, I was kind of fangirling over the rest Starstruck, of the time.
0: Starstruck. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, but I really really felt called to start a blog and I didn't know the first thing about blogging. So I reached out to, um, a, a bunch of my mentors in the blogging arena and, um, asked them for tips on starting, um, starting a blog. And every single one of them said the same two things, a, just do it. And B be authentic. And, th- and I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and I think those are, Well, well, just doing it is just doing it. So you do it and you learn that. But being authentic is something that you grow into. And, you know, we're always growing and evolving and changing. Um, Yeah. So your authenticity might change from time to time. But as long as you're staying true to yourself and you're writing about something you're passionate about, then everything that needs to come through will come through. Um, and the thing is too, like, I remember it's so funny because like my blog posts, um, at the start, my boyfriend and I were just talking about this the other day, they would take me like an hour to write because I was like editing as I went and like, um, you know, again, like cultivating the authenticity, it's a process. And now they take me five minutes because it's just, it's just spirit speaking through me and it's just like, you know what I mean? And, um, and that's why my posts resonate so they so much with you. Yes. Yeah. So I, um, I agree,
0: and I I think that we never think we're being unauthentic. Like when I started my blog, and I was writing, you know, I was still just kind of writing what came to me, but I was just keeping some things, and I was holding some stuff in, and now I just don't do that. I it just it just all goes out there, all of it, and I think that that's really powerful and great, but. But that's, that's the thing, and that's what you said. You kind of grow into your authenticity, and you never think, you know, I'm going to I'm be really unauthentic on my blog today. I'm going to just be fake. And no yeah. one really thinks that. It just kind of happens. So you, you do right. grow into that.
1: Yeah. And then so after I wrote my first post, I emailed all of my blogging mentors and said, thank you for your advice. This is my first post. You know, and I kept in contact with them. Um, and after a month of blogging, I emailed them again. I'm a really persistent and driven person. So i emailed email them again and say, do you have any feedback if you have time? And I've built a really awesome friendship with these people. And, and now I consider them my peers, you know. And um, so keep in contact. You know, it's not all about you. Like, this is a community. So just like you reaching out to me, and I, I reached out to you. Um, and, I, and Casey Arena, powercakes.net, I keep plugging her. She's amazing. Go check her out. Um, You know, she reached out to me last summer and said, I need help with plant based eating. And we've built, you know, a really great connection together. Reach out to people who inspire you, see what you have in common with them and see how you can work with them, because then you're you're being of service to their readers. The other person will be of service to you and your readers. And you'll create a really great Um, a really great thing you know ideas are stronger when they're shared and they you know the the vibration of a shared energy is so incredible and when you join forces with somebody else I mean there's no limit so take advantage of those connections and you know don't be afraid to put yourself out there and make a bunch of mistakes like I did and I still do (laughs) you know that's just the nature of it so reach out to people that inspire you See how, how they'd like to collaborate with you, talk about people that inspire you. Um, when I first started blogging, I really um, I was really into toneitup.com. Tone it up, Karina and Katrina are two fitness trainers. They're adorable. They're wonderful. Um, and now again, they're two of my great peers. I love them deeply. And I would, you know, post some some recipe and I would hashtag tone it up and tag them and say, this is great for a meal too of your meal plan because I believed in their message and I thought that their, their audience could really use a recipe like that. And they posted it on their Facebook page and then I'd get a lot of readers. So I, it wasn't about me getting a new audience. Like it really was about me sharing and helping their audience. I didn't even think about it. I remember that day it was like, Crazy. I got so many page views that day and I was like, whoa, it didn't even occur to me because I was really focused on being of service and making a connection with, with people. So um checking in with yourself there and making those connections.
0: And I think I and I love what you said there, and I want to talk a little bit more a little bit more about your inspiration, but I think the really cool thing is if you just don't concern yourself with getting more followers and getting more page views and you just concern yourself with being authentic and helping people, the other stuff's just going to come, and you're not even going to notice it, and it's just going to be like, where the hell did this come from? This is amazing, but it, it just happens because you're helping people, and the universe is just going to reward you for that.
1: Right. So
0: um, that's amazing. So really, um, talking a little bit more about your inspiration and, and bloggers, where do you see um, blogging as a platform of communication heading, and where would you like to see it go? Is this, um, do you think it's going to be a career option?
1: I don't think that you can make a career off of blogging alone. I think that personally, you know, I believe that, um, that used to be an option and now it's more that blogging is a platform through which you can create a career for yourself. So for me, as I'm creating my meditation CD and I'm working on, um, designing some tank tops and and all this stuff sure my blog is going to be a great vehicle for people to purchase that meditation cd and purchase those tank tops and in the future do some skype life coaching with me um so i think blogging is a great vehicle through which you can serve others um blogging solely as an as an income you know (laughs) yeah this is, it's not gonna happen. Unless you, you're just super lucky, like Pioneer Woman or, um, you know, Julie from Peanut Butter Fingers or something. You, you, you just really get this humongous massive following. That's, that's great. Um, but I also think that when you start blogging and you start to be compassionate about what you're talking about, um, you start to to want to infuse that passion into different areas of your lives. And again, you see blogging as a vehicle through which you can make an income and, and make it your life. Um, and I think that blogs are becoming more popular because everyone's taking note of that. Um, and I think that, you know, spiritually speaking now is a time to really rise up. Now is a time to, you know, think about what your passion is and infuse that into everything you do. And blogging is a great way to do that. So um, I think that I see blogging becoming more popular and a continuous vehicle through which you can create an income for sure. Definitely, definitely. Um, Well,
0: you started to mention some of your current projects and, Um, what's inspiring you right now but first I know about one of them which you already mentioned your meditation cd and it's amazing and I just want to say to all of our listeners that it's so cool and unique and there's a preview on soundcloud on soundcloud which is amazing and I'll definitely post that link below but why don't we start by um, talking about that a little bit and telling us how your this meditation cd is different from what's out there
1: Oh, Katie! I am so excited about this. Um, and thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Um, so when I first started to meditate, I was in love with it. I just, it really just, it hit me like that. This was clear that this would be part of of my life's purpose and part of whatever I was meant to do um, on this planet to serve others. And um. I could meditate to anything because I just loved the act of sitting and listening and and waiting for guidance from an energy greater than myself. Um, And as I kept searching for new guided meditations to listen to early on in my practice, um, I realized that aside from Gabrielle Bernstein, there really wasn't anyone out there doing a modern meditation CD. You know, and sure, like chanting Om and whatnot is absolutely gorgeous, and I love that. But let's be real; like our generation is not so cool with that. And I, you know, there's a negative connotation associated with with the Om's, you know, and there's a negative connotation associated with God too, because he's seen as this, you know, crazy judgmental dude that's living outside of you somewhere in the clouds. So I really wanted to bring a meditation CD to the modern generation of women and men, infusing beautiful music that they could relate to and that would allow them to tap into their inner bliss and help them really start their day off on the best note possible and tap into their inner guidance so they can show up and be the best that they can be and give their purpose to everyone they meet. Um, So I'm a singer-songwriter. I sing and I play piano. And, um, coming out of a meditation one morning, I just got the hit from my inner teacher that was like, you have to do this. So I said, okay, show me what to do (laughs) because I don't know where to start. And the inner teacher said, sit down at the piano. And I sat down at the piano and in two hours I had four songs written and I was like, whoa, okay, really? I do have something here. So um, I I kept going and I kept writing and I hooked up with a great friend of mine who is an incredible producer and we have the most Katie the most beautiful music
0: I too. can't wait for
1: it oh, I am so excited it's going to really serve people um, and and really I just can't wait because I know that people need it um, and they need they need a a modern a modern meditation to connect with. And I'm gonna have ten. You're of them. here for them. So, so yeah, it's gonna be amazing.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay, just a couple more quick questions. Um, yeah. Because we could talk for hours, and we have. You really? Could. But, um, <laughs> but okay. Here, here's here's the big one. Here's the deep one. So. Okay. okay. Um,
1: we're getting serious. We're get, we're
0: getting real here. Get, things are getting real. So, what are you most afraid of? Um in your life that you're doing anyways? How are you challenging yourself and pushing yourself right now?
1: Um, I'm afraid of failing. When I release my meditation CD, I'm afraid that people are going to hate it because it's extremely different from anything you've ever heard before. And
0: tell your ego you're crazy because it's amazing.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Um, but you know that, that saying, feel the fear and do it anyway? I mean, that's really what I do. Like every day, my my ego will pop in and say, you know, don't go over to that piano, you suck. You know, but but I just go and do it anyway because I know deep down in my heart that people need what I have to offer. Yes. And Marie Forleo has that great quote and she says, you know, when you're not, I'm going to butcher it, but basically it's, you know, when you're not giving your passion and you're not giving your truth, you're actually stealing from the ones who need you most. And that really has totally, totally resonated with me. And I always think of that when I go to the piano, you know, if you don't do this, Heather, you're going to be stealing from the people who need this. You know, this isn't about you. This is about the message that you're, you're here to carry. And so, so that, yeah, I mean, I feel for every day, but because I really have a strong spiritual practice, I'm able to, um, witness the thoughts that my ego is saying and, and gently push them aside and, and go follow my inner teacher.
0: Yes, that that is beautiful, and and Gabby says something like that too. Like, not only is it your right to share it, but it is your obligation to share it, and that's one hundred percent how I feel about this meditation album for you. Um, well, gosh, this was amazing, and I am so so excited and grateful that you are here and that. I've gotten to share you, who I love so much, with all of my readers and listeners, and I know that I could ask you a million more questions, and I'm sure everybody else has a million more specific questions for you, too. Um, So tell people where they can find you.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Katie. I love you so much and I'm I'm so grateful that you asked me to come on. Um this has been so fun. I can't believe how fast it went by.
0: I know. I want to talk for like two more I hours. You you'll have to come back, right?
1: Oh. 100%. You'll, come, you'll visit
0: Wonderland again?
1: <laughs> I I'll visit Wonderland every freaking day. Right. <laughs> So you can find me at ForTheLiveOfKale.com. I will be changing my site to HeatherWaxman.com soon. Um, and so you can find me on Facebook. at I'll post Facebook.
0: links too.
1: Yeah, we'll post links. Heather Waxman page. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Heather Waxman.
0: We'll give you all the links. And Heather, I haven't even asked you this, but we will both be answering your questions below. So post any other questions you have for Heather or myself, about anything we spoke about, or things that we missed, and we will answer your questions and get back to all of you. So thank you, Heather, so much for chatting. Thank you all so much for listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. This is Katie, and I will see you next Tuesday. I love you all. Thank you, Heather.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye.